Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Join us today to talk about common foot problems is Dr. Mark Hinkis. Dr. Hinkis is president and CMO of ePrevenir, a company who offers a cloud-based tool for primary care providers to manage the four comorbidities of diabetes. Dr. Hinkis is a doctor of podiatric medicine who recently retired from clinical care after 40 years service, 20 years in private practice in Miami, Florida, and 20 years at the Veterans Affairs Medical Centers. He is the author of two books on diabetic foot health, Keep the Legs You Stand On, and Healthy Feet for People with Diabetes. The presented content does not provide or constitute medical, financial, or legal advice. The content is for information purposes only. Viewing or listening to the content does not constitute a physician-patient, dentist-patient, fiduciary-client, or attorney-client relationship. How are you doing today, Dr. Hinkis? Doing great, Jason. Thanks so much for having me with you today. Yeah, very much so. I'm looking forward to our time together. Before we get started, for those that are joining us for the live webinar, if you have any questions, time permitting, we will do everything we can to get your questions answered. So go ahead and type those questions in. Dr. Hinkes, I'm going to turn it over to you. Common foot problems. Thanks so much, Jason, and uh, good morning or good afternoon uh, to anybody who's watching or listening, depending on what time zone you're in. I'd like to, of course, thank Jason and Knowledgeable Aging for this opportunity to discuss common foot problems. It's my hope today that this presentation will provide you with new and greater insights about foot health problems, why they happen, and what their options are for treatment. By way of background, I'd like to share with you that Abraham Lincoln said, when my feet hurt, I cannot think. And Michelangelo said, when the foot is a work of art and an engineering masterpiece. So what makes these 26 bones, 60 joints, 18 muscles, 107 ligaments, and 31 tendons in each foot so special? From a functional mechanical perspective, the foot and ankle translate a vertical force from your leg into a horizontal force in your foot, thus giving you the most economical mode of travel, which is walking. And speaking of walking, the average person walks about 110,000 miles in a lifetime. So that's about four times around the earth. So if you're a senior citizen, you probably have already walked around the earth two or three times. So you've been around. There are over 300 diagnosable problems in the foot, so it's a rare person who's been able to avoid some type of foot problem in their lifetime. Let's see. A little housekeeping here. This is what Jason went over earlier, so we'll pass on this. Have you heard the old saying, I'm here from the government and I'm here to help? I used to say that, but now I say, I'm just here to help. The building pictured on the screen is the Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee, where I spent 20 years working for Uncle Sam as the chief of the podiatry section and chairman of the Preservation, Amputation, Care, and Treatment Program. While serving the foot health needs of U.S. veterans, I met some very interesting folks. I met a U2 test pilot who came in to see me in a wheelchair and oxygen, and he said he felt like he was back in his plane. I met a blue-haired grandmother who used the Enigma machine to decode Nazi messages in World War II, and she invited me to a tank show. And then I met a guy named George, who witnessed 18 nuclear bombs go off in the Pacific while he was in his underwear. So it's a beautiful building, but let me assure you that the best view of it was in my rearview mirror the day I retired. Your feet must last a lifetime, and this is a message I hope you will remember. So why is there a picture of a stone crab on the screen? The warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico are the home of a seafood delicacy known as the stone crab. It got its name because the shell is as hard as concrete. 
the law, the, the claw is the only part of the crab that is harvested as it contains a coveted tender sweet meat. I have enjoyed this delicacy, but getting to the meat is a task that requires a hammer and some serious elbow grease. Only one claw is harvested, leaving the other claw intact for the crab to defend itself. The unique thing about the stone crab is that it has the ability to regrow the harvested claw. Humans do not have the luxury of being able to regrow a foot or a leg, so you need to do everything possible to practice good foot health and to be sure that your feet will last a lifetime. So let's look at some clinical issues that are common that most people will have questions about. The first issue we're going to talk about is uh, nails. Nail problems are probably the most common type of foot problem we see. Onychomycosis is an infection of the nail. Onycho means nail, mycosis means mycotic infection. That This is typically seen on the toenails, however, it can spread to fingernails and other body parts and to others who share the same environment. It is not only unsightly, but it can cause pain and other health problems. This is a common foot problem that should be treated. In a recent survey, almost 50% of the patients surveyed reported pain as a result of onychomycosis, and almost 40% reported discomfort with, when wearing shoes. Toenail fungus affects about 33% of the 500 million people worldwide with diabetes. Medications, chemicals, psoriasis, or trauma can cause nail changes, so be aware that nails that are deformed and discolored may not have a mycotic infection. In order to confirm the diagnosis of onychomycosis, a sample of the affected nail should be harvested and sent for pathology. Treatment can involve debriding or debulking the nails. The nails can be surgically removed under local anesthesia, allowing them to either regrow or the cells that generate the nail can be destroyed with acid, thus permanently removing the nail. There are both oral and topical treatments for toenail fungus that are effective in treating this problem. This slide demonstrates a nail problem that's known as a paronychial infection. You will probably recognize this problem as an ingrown toenail. When the nail is ingrown, a portion of the nail becomes embedded in the skin. Your body reacts to this, sensing that the nail is foreign and surrounds the site with inflammatory tissue that is called a granuloma. The site tends to bleed easily and many patients fear that they have developed cancer on their toe. The cause of this, is very, this common problem can be improper nail trimming, trauma, or improperly fitted footwear. Conservative treatment of this problem involves removing the offending nail spicule from the soft tissue. A permanent correction of the problem can be done by a surgical procedure that destroys the cells at the base of the nail that generate the small portion of the nail that is ingrown. Supporting treatments may also include oral or topical antibiotics, soaking in a solution of Domeboro, which is a drying agent, and to refrain from using closed shoes until the problem is resolved. Skin infections are the next issue we're gonna talk about, and they are fairly common. And the reason is wearing closed shoes places your feet in a warm, dark, moist environment for long periods of time, which is a perfect environment for an infection to develop. The causes of foot infections include fungal elements, mold, yeast, bacteria, or viruses. Oftentimes there can be a mixed bacterial fungal infection. Some people though have allergic reactions to shoe or sock dye, and that may be misdiagnosed as a skin infection. So let's take a closer look at this problem. Identifying the cause of a bacterial infection is the first step 
and is best done by harvesting a tissue sample for pathology examination called a culture and sensitivity. The result of the lab testing will provide information on the name of the bacteria and the appropriate antibiotic treatment that may include both oral and topical medications. As a rule of thumb, bacterial infections do not itch, while fungal type infections do cause itching. Hygiene is an important part of any treatment plan to resolve an infection. Using an antibacterial soap and scrub brush one or two times a day can help treat and resolve an infection quicker. Impetigo, which is a streptococcus infection, is commonly confused with a fungal infection, and it's usually noted on the bottom of the foot. This infection can be identified by a series of small blisters that open to reveal a clear to straw yellow colored fluid, and after the fluid evaporates, there is a honey colored crust, which may be seen on the site. Footwear can contribute to infections. Avoid shoes that are made of plastic as they do not allow the feet to breathe and fail to dissipate both heat and moisture from your foot. Use shoes that are fabricated from natural fibers like leather or canvas. Discard shoes that have been exposed to an infected foot to prevent reinfection. Fungal infections to your feet are also very common. They tend to cause itching and maceration of the tissues. The diagnosis is done by harvesting a tissue sample for anatomical pathology testing. The treatment involves hygiene, change of footwear, combined with oral and topical medications, and also, again, discard shoes that have been exposed to infected tissue. Veruca or warts are a cause of viral infections to the feet. Veruca are part of the papillomavirus family and are associated with HIV. Walking barefooted on a surface that has the virus, such as a gym or swimming pool area, is usually how you get this problem. Treatments have traditionally been painful and take time. Various treatments for this problem include use of topical acids, lasers, cryotherapy, surgical removal. Almost any torture man has devised has been tried on warts. <laughs> New therapy is called SWIFT, which uses microwaves to stimulate the immune system to treat the Veruca. In the most recalcitrant cases, I've, I have used the technique of having the patient have a vision of their foot being clean without the Veruca present. This stimulates the body's autoimmune system to attack and destroy the Veruca. As with all infections, discard the shoes to prevent reinfection. We're gonna talk about something different now. This is podiatric biomechanics. And this is a, a tool that all podiatrists use, and it provides the basis for understanding how we move in space and ambulate why certain problems can cause pain or functional disability, and it gives us information on how to manage these problems. So uh, let's try a little experiment. This will be a little fun now. Uh, I'd like you to sit comfortably in your favorite chair, and I'm assuming you are already doing that. And I'd like you to lift your right foot off the ground, and I'd like you to make a clockwise circle with your right foot. Now, while you're making that clockwise circle, I want you to draw the number six in the air with your right hand. Did you note that your foot changed direction when you drew the six? <laughs> Unless you cheated, that's what happened. So some things are just out of our control with your feet, and this is one of them. Your foot moves in three planes, and it has the ability, it has a unique ability to change its function from being a shock absorber at heel strike to a rigid lever for propulsion at toe-off. When the muscles, tendons, joints in our feet and legs are working properly, we get from here to there without a problem. 
However, when there's a malfunction, we may develop pain like that of an aroma, which we'll talk about in a minute, or a deformity like a bunion or functional disability with a, with a difficulty in walking long distances without pain. This is where biomechanics helps us to recognize and understand and resolve these kind of problems. We can modify or change our biomechanical function by the use of custom-made insoles that fit into the shoes, which are called orthotics. When you think about it, walking is nothing more than a series of controlled falls. As our center of gravity moves forward, our foot comes out, our leg and our foot come out in front of us, and it prevents us from falling on our face. So understanding and quantifying how our feet and legs function in gait is called the gait cycle. Biomechanical orthotics are fabricated from a cast impression of, of your foot and may be done in a foam box, by a plaster cast, or now even by a scan from an app on your phone. They are constructed from a variety of different materials depending on the goal of the therapy. There are two goals of orthotic therapy. One is to control your foot function, which uses a more rigid material, and the other is to accommodate your foot function, and, and those orthotics are made from a more flexible material. Orthotics can be used to treat a variety of foot problems, including bone and soft tissue problems, nerve entrapments, heel pain, leg fatigue, and knee pain. Orthotics are made to work in harmony with the biomechanical functioning of your foot as it changes from a noble adapter to a rigid lever. Arch supports, on the other hand, only push up mechanically under your arch, and they, the goal of an arch support is to try to outmuscle your foot, not to control it. In my experience, many patients have come to me and said that not only were arch supports uncomfortable, but they were unable to use them. Now we're going to take a look in some of, at some of the bone and soft tissue deformities that affect people's feet. The first one is called hallux abducto valgus. Hallux means big toe. Abducto is the deviation of the toe laterally, and valgus is the um, clockwise rotation of the toe. So in layman's term, this deformity is called a bunion. It's a gradual dislocation of the big toe joint with a prominent protrusion of the metatarsal head medially or pointing towards your other foot. And this combined with the lateral deviation of the first toe towards the outside of your foot. Bunions can cause pain and functional disability because of arthritic changes to the joint and rubbing against footwear. The cause of this deformity is related to abnormal biomechanical function and not improperly fitted footwear, which most people attribute to be the cause of this deformity. The treatment depends on the severity of the deformity and the amount of pain or functional disability you may be suffering. An x-ray should be taken to evaluate the deformity. Conservative care can include a steroid injection to the joint, oral anti-inflammatory medications, physical therapy, biomechanical orthotics, change of footwear, and surgery to correct the deformity. Another less common and more painful deformity of the great toe joint is called hallux rigidus. Again, hallux means big toe, rigidus means rigid joint with little or no motion. The precursor to this deformity is called hallux limitus, where there is painful limitation of the move, but movement of the joint. This deformity causes arthritic changes to develop in the joint with the resulting loss of range of motion, which makes walking painful. And here you can see one of the joints that's fairly well destroyed. And here you can see that we've put an artificial joint into this person's foot and they have really good movement and it's pain-free. The treatment again varies by the amount, the amount of pain or functional disability. We should take an x-ray. The same uh, treatment options are available, steroid injection, 
oral medication, physical therapy, orthotics, change of footwear, and surgery. In some cases, the cartilage on both sides of the joint is destroyed. And as we've seen on this uh, slide here, we put artificial joints into people's uh, feet for this. Digital deformities are very common and can be the cause of both pain and functional disability. The type of deformity that develops depends on the location of the joint. The three most common types of digital deformities are the mallet toe, the hammer toe, and the claw toe. Because the pathological position of the toe and its interaction with footwear causes soft tissue lesions such as corns to develop on the tip, top, or in between the toes, as can be seen on the slide we're going to show you. Digital deformities can, digital de I'm sorry, digital deformities can act as triggers for mechanical trauma that can result in blisters or an ulcer to the toe. Treatment depends on the amount of pain and functional disability. Again, x-rays should be taken, conservative care as with the other problems, injections, anti-inflammatory medications, therapy, orthotics, change of footwear, and surgery. And in these cases, sometimes a soft tissue release will be sufficient to straighten the toe and sometimes a piece of bone needs to be removed. Another common deformity that we see to the small joint, the fifth metatarsal phalangeal joint here, is called Taylor's bunion. This deformity got its name because due to the fact that before sewing machines, tailors would sit on the floor cross-legged and that part of their foot would rub on the floor. Treatment of this problem also depends on the amount of pain and functional disability. Just as with the other osseous problems, x-ray evaluation, conservative care um, can be done, and uh, surgery can be done to fix it. Heel pain uh, is an extremely common complaint, and there are many potential causes ranging from conditions that actually affect the heel bone, like a bruise or a stress fracture, to conditions... Whoop, um, I'm sorry about that. Uh, to conditions that affect the structures nearby like plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis. The pain can be throbbing or simply annoying, stabbing and debilitating, or something in, in between, depending on what's behind it and the severity of your case. Your heel bone, called the calcaneus, lies at the back of the foot beneath the ankle. Along with surrounding tissues and another small bone called the talus, your heel bone works to provide balance, side-to-side -side movement from the back of your foot. Heel pain has a number of different causes, and it is one of the trickiest heel problem, one of the trickiest problems to diagnose. Certain vascular diseases and arthritic problems like rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, lupus, and gout often cause heel pain. Other causes of this problem can be a bone spur in the back of the heel called a Haglund's deformity, tendonitis of the Achilles tendon, bone tumors, bursitis, osteomyelitis, which is a bone infection. Paget's disease, peripheral neuropathy, a stress fracture of the calcaneus, trauma, nerve entrapments like tarsal tunnel syndrome that can also cause heel pain. Still, other causes of heel pain can be fat pad atrophy, sinus tarsi syndrome, sciatica, radiculopathy, Reiter's syndrome. It's just a whole list, so it's not an easy problem. And uh, children have a special kind of problem with heel pain called calcaneal apophysitis, which is an inflammation of the growth plate of the calcaneus bone. X-rays and laboratory testing can help pinpoint the diagnosis. Generally speaking, treatment for the local heel problem is dependent on the diagnosis, and as in the other treatments, may include a steroid injection, oral anti-inflammatory medications, 
extracorporeal shockwave therapy, which was borrowed from um, the treatment where they blast uh, kidney stones uh, underwater, stretching, physical therapy, taping, orthotics, change of footwear, and no barefoot walking. And finally, if uh, nothing else works, there's always surgery. Let's talk about some soft tissue lesions that happen to the foot. The first one of these is going to be called corns. Corns are thickened uh, areas of skin involving the digits that are the result of abnormal pressure against the underlying bony structure. Your body senses the abnormal pressure and creates a corn as a natural protective pad. Corns may be found on the tip top or in between the toes, and after a corn is present, it becomes inflamed due to long-standing pressure against it. Your body may create a bursa, which is a natural protective fluid-filled sac between the corn and the bone. Corns with an accompanying bursitis can be exquisitely painful. Improperly fitted and tight shoes in combination with digital deformities are often times responsible for these problems. Treatment of this kind of a problem also involves an x-ray, but we put a wire marker on the spot where the corn is so we can identify the exact corresponding location of the affected bone. Conservative care of this problem can be debridement and padding, changes of footwear, a steroid injection, or physical therapy. A surgical procedure to release a tendon can also be helpful to straighten the toe out, um, and sometimes the, uh, a piece of bone can be smoothed or removed from the toe. The danger of a corn for people with diabetes is an abscess may develop underneath the corn that can lead to an ulcer. And this can lead to a bone infection called osteomyelitis that will require oral antibiotics and in some cases hospitalization and surgery to remove the infected bone. A callus on the bottom of the foot is also a result of abnormal pressure against one of the long slender bones in the forefoot called a metatarsal bone. Your body senses this pressure and creates the callus as a natural protective pad. Treatment involves an x-ray with a wire marker on the callus to identify which bone is affected. Conservative care can include debridement and padding, biomechanical orthotics with an offload on the area of the callus, or surgery to reduce the pressure on the metatarsal bone, which should eliminate the callus. In the patient with diabetes, if the callus is left untreated, it can become a trigger for mechanical trauma that will result in an ulcer on the bottom of the foot. This can lead to a bone infection, and in some cases necessitate hospitalization for surgery to remove the infected bone. The results of a recent uh, patient survey found that a majority of people felt that foot pain was normal, and really nothing could be farther from the truth. A very common cause of burning, shooting, tingling, pain, and numbness to the forefoot is called a neuroma. This pain is the result of an entrapment of the nerve that passes between two metatarsal bones, and you can see that right here. And um, a neuroma can be present as a result of direct blunt trauma to the foot, like a car accident where your foot hits the firewall, or it can be due to repetitive microtrauma due to abnormal gait. Some people report that their toes stand up in a cramp and they have an overwhelming need to take their shoe off and rub their foot. An aroma can happen anywhere where there is a nerve, but in the foot, mostly it happens between the second and third and third and fourth toes. Treatment of this problem should include an x-ray, steroid injection or anti-inflammatory medication, therapy, change of foot gear, wider toe box shoes are really important, and women who wear narrow toe box shoes and high-heeled shoes tend to have this problem uh, more frequently than men. So a change of foot gear is really helpful. Orthotics can be helpful, and of course, 
if none of the conservative care works, there's always surgery to remove the affected portion of the nerve. We're going to take a few minutes to talk about diabetes here as we as we reach the end of our presentation. And there's so much to talk about with diabetes that I won't be able to really do it justice in a, in a short presentation. So I'd like to give you some statistics about it to give you a sense about here, how serious this problem really is. There are one billion people on this planet who are affected with this problem worldwide. 500 million people have been diagnosed with the problem and 500 million people are diagnosed as pre-diabetic. Between 19 and 34% of these people will develop a foot ulcer in their lifetime. And a foot ulcer happens somewhere in this world once every 1.2 seconds worldwide. 85% of all lower extremity amputations are preceded by a foot ulcer. There's a 40% recurrence of the ulcer after one year and almost a 60% recurrence after three years and a 65% recurrence within five years. A lower extremity amputation happens somewhere on this planet once every 20 seconds. There's a million amputations done every year. And worse than that, 38% of the people who lose a leg will lose the other leg within three years, and 75% of the people who lose the leg will not survive five years. So the mortality associated with a diabetic lower extremity amputation is greater than all forms of cancer, excluding lung and pancreatic cancers. Let's talk a little bit about the two most common problems of diabetes to the lower extremities, which are neuropathy and ischemia. The reason that we develop these problems is due to chronically elevated blood sugars, which affect the nerves and the circulation, which generate symptoms of burning, sharp shooting pain, which eventually results in numbness to the foot. Because the foot is numb, and patients most of the time don't feel pain, the situation can lead to an unrecognized development of an ulcer to the foot, which can lead to infection, hospitalization, and amputation. This is one of my favorite books by Dr. Paul Brand, and it's hard to imagine pain as a gift, but that's the compelling conclusion of Dr. Brand, who was an orthopedic surgeon, who spent his remarkable life studying pain and its implications for medical treatment overall health and human happiness. Brand worked with patients with leprosy in India and the United States, as well as patients with diabetes. He was the first doctor to understand the issues of neuropathic pain and eventual loss of pain in patients with diabetes and the consequences of foot ulcers and amputations. His insights revealed that pain is beneficial as it acts as the body's burglar alarm. I want to be sure to emphasize that this is a book that every person with diabetes should read. How would a person with diabetes know whether they have sensory neuropathy? Well, you can diagnose this by using a painless non-invasive screening test called the SEMS-Weinstein monofilament. This test is done by touching a specially calibrated plastic monofilament to the foot to see if you can feel it. If you are unable to feel the monofilament, you would be diagnosed with diabetic sensory neuropathy, <coughs> excuse me, and you should be educated concerning the risks for developing a foot ulcer that could lead to an amputation because your foot is numb. Patients with diabetic sensory neuropathy should be referred to an appropriate member of the interdisciplinary team for amelioration of any risk factors for developing that ulcer and be evaluated for diabetic shoes. They should have a yearly comprehensive diabetic foot exam and should seek professional care 
for their foot health needs. So what would be my best advice to you if you have diabetes and you wanted to be healthy and keep your feet and legs? Well, I would tell you it's the ABCs of diabetes prevention. A, control blood sugars. B, control blood pressure. C, control triglycerides and cholesterol. D, control your diet. E, exercise. F, avoid smoking and vaping. And finally, practice preventive foot health behaviors. Today we have reviewed a variety of common foot problems and why they happen and what you can do about them. I hope you will remember two things from this presentation. The first is your feet must last a lifetime. And the second is the, the provider who is best suited, best trained, and best educated for your, to manage your foot health is a podiatrist. First question is talking about fibromyalgia and aching feet. This person says, uh, I've tried various remedies that provide little relief, physical therapy, CBD cream, foot soak, orthotics. Um, they don't really seem to work, and I still have this excru excruciating pain when I stand. What do you recommend? This is a really good question. And one of the things when I hear this question is I have to say, is fibromyalgia the cause of this person's foot pain? Well, it's really hard to know. So because there are over 300 diagnosable problems, fibromyalgia could be the cause or it could be a part of the cause. So my recommendation would be see a podiatrist or if you don't have a podiatrist, at least see your primary care provider to have an evaluation and find out. Foot pain, as you see, could be caused by an aroma, it could be caused by circulation, it could be caused by diabetes, it could be caused by a problem in your back. So rather than me give some kind of a, a treatment recommendation, my best recommendation is see a provider, see a physician, get prof a professional evaluation, and then you'll know better what treatment options might be successful. Very good. Another question's come in, Dr. Hink, is does poor posture cause foot problems or do foot problems cause poor posture? Well, that's a really good question. I think the answer is yes to both sides of that question. <laughs> Remember that old song, the hip bones connected to the, you know, it's all, it's all one big deal. Yeah, posture is, is, is a real problem. Uh, many times orthotics can be very helpful in issues like that, uh, controlling aberrant foot function, which can cause knee pain, hip pain, low back pain, and other things which will affect posture. Yeah. Last question, Dr. Hink, is, is there, I know you've covered a lot of, of content here about the foot. Would you say that there is a symptom or set of symptoms for somebody to know if this is, if something that's going on with their foot is more serious, especially since, you know, being able to actually see the bottom of a foot or inside a toe is not as easy? Yeah, well, in this case, um, hold your foot up to a mirror. That makes it really easy to see in between the toes or the bottom. Um, if you've got somebody, a family member, a friend, somebody, you can have them take a look at it. But as a general rule, pain is not normal. Deformity is not normal. Difficulty walking is not normal. So if you have any of these kind of problems, uh, I, I think it would make a lot of sense to have a professional foot exam by a podiatrist. Yeah. And so as far as your primary care physician, they can get you certain the ways as far as diagnosing, but seeing a podiatrist is the actual step you need to take, correct? You know, that's a good point. The, many people have health insurance where the primary care provider is the gatekeeper, and they can't right. get an appointment to a podiatrist unless they have a referral from the primary care provider. Okay. So, you know, if, if that's the kind of situation you have, 
please go see your primary care provider, have an examination, see what they say, and if, it, if they feel that it's warranted, ask for a referral to a podiatrist. Here's a slide that has some information on my contact information. My email is drhinkes at gmail.com. My phone is 615-504-5128. And you can find me on LinkedIn at dr.mark.hinkes, H-I-N-K-E-S, comma D-P-M. As far as Knowledgeable Aging, you can find all of our archive webinars on our website. Go to knowledgeableaging.com. Uh, all of our archive webinars are also on our YouTube page. So go to YouTube, type in Knowledgeable Aging. We encourage you to subscribe. We update it four to five times per week. If you are a podcast listener, go to Spotify, Apple Tunes, et cetera. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging. 